Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? Well, my name is um, Michelle Anderson, and I am one of the pastors here. Our lead pastor, Matt Hawkins, is out today. Um, he is on a backpacking trip with um, some teenagers and having a fabulous time. They will be home tonight, and uh, I hear that they've had some um, transforming moments, so continue to keep them in your prayers. We've been talking about um, our summer series, which is Church on the Go. We've been talking about the book of Acts and how um, God wants to do um, something outside of these church walls and not just inside these church walls. And I noticed when I got in here today, I don't know where this came from, this bag, but I just kind of think maybe it was Matt's way of saying he wishes he was going to play golf. I can't think of any other reason for it, but... Uh, Anyway, um, he, Matt, Pastor Matt talked to us last week about um, chapters 3 and 4 in Acts and how the disciples and believers were all in one mind and of one spirit and they shared all of their possessions and they had, um, no one had need for anything. Today I'm going to talk to us about chapter 6 and chapter 7 of Acts. I'm going to skip over chapter 5 because Matt talked to us a little bit about it. It's about Ananias and Sapphira and um, about um, how they cheated the Lord. Um, so I, I would suggest that you would go back and read it, especially if you have a propensity for lying. So I'll leave it at that and you can go back and read it. So we're going to start um, in cha chapter 6 um, of Acts and I'm going to tell you a little bit about what's going on. Um, the believers had, had rap, rap, rapidly multiplied, easy for me to say, and the Greek Jewish people were complaining against the Hebrew Jewish people that their widows were getting left out of the food distribution. So they brought it to the apostles and the apostles said, well, we're, we're busy preaching the word, and so let us get seven more disciples and have them be in charge of that. So they chose seven people, Stephen being one of them, and they laid hands on them and sent them out. So that's where we're going to start in verse 8. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to, to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, We heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders, and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, This man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this, Jesus of Nazareth, will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel. So let me sum that up. Stephen, who is a man full of God's power and God's spirit and God's grace, was performing great wonders among the people, and it made them mad because these people were religious people. They weren't um, religious on the inside, but they were religious on the outside. They liked their church. They liked their rules, but they didn't want to have anything to do with transformation on the inside. So they were mad at Stephen, and they were jealous of Stephen because he was 
performing signs and miracles, and they were not. So, but Stephen doesn't seem bothered by this. He's over there um, communing with the Holy Spirit as all of this is going on, as all these charges are brought against him. And his faith is like that of an angel because he is so full of the Holy Spirit. Now, chapter 7 opens with Stephen standing before the highest religious court in the land to answer charges against blasphemy against Moses, against God, and against the temple. This is the same court that Peter and John um, were up against um, last week that Pastor Matt told us about. Same people, uh, same men that were at, at that trial, same men were at Jesus' trial, and um, even the same high priest was hearing the case. And this high priest asked Stephen, are these charges true? Have you been blaspheming God, uh, Jesus, Moses, and the temple? Well, instead of coming right out and answering them, Stephen says, uh, he goes back to the beginning. He starts to give them a history lesson. We're going to start um, with verse 2 through 8. He, he's, he tells them how, how Abraham, when Abraham was, was here, there was no temple in existence, but God still appeared to Abraham, and God uh, appeared to him in Iraq. Not in Jerusalem, where you would expect God to appear. Not in a temple, but in Iraq. And he moves on to Joseph. Joseph... Uh, there was still no temple in, ex in existence, but God still appeared to Joseph, and he appeared to him in Egypt, not in Jerusalem. Same thing with Moses. In verse 20, he says, There was still no temple in existence, but God still appeared to Moses in the middle of nowhere, out of a burning bush, not in a temple, not in the holy city of Jerusalem. So he, Stephen sums his argument up. He's finished arguing about by verse 50 about how Jesus was not, or how God was not contained in a temple. And he has shown us two truths by the time he sums up. Sums up. He shows us that historically there was no temple, yet God still dwelt with his people and worked through them. And he showed us that historically humans have had a hard heart toward God. He has shown that what matters is our hearts and not a physical location. And there is a whole other sermon to be preached on in chapter 7 about how the, the Jewish people have habitually rejected God um, and his representatives. And that includes everyone that was in the room of the Sanhedrin. And that includes everyone that's here today. We have all at one point rejected God or not obeyed God. But that, I don't want to go to that point. I want to point out something that, that Stephen didn't point out directly. But it is evident if we know any of the people um, that he pointed out, uh, the people of history, Abraham, Joshua, and Moses. That is, God uses misfits to do his work. Abraham, Joseph, and Moses, three pivotal people in the history of God's people, in the story of God, they were all misfits, all of them. Their only redeeming quality was their faith in God. That's it. Now, I don't know about you, but I can relate to that. I feel like a misfit a whole lot of the time, um, especially when you read about Stephen, how he was a man full of faith, full of grace, and full of God's power. I don't know about you, but I don't feel full of grace and full of power a whole lot of the time. And I know for certain that my face has never glowed like an angel's, so I am a misfit. Um, Abraham was called the father of faith, of faith, Yet, he had character flaws just like 
I do, and just like you do. I'm sorry if that surprises you that you have character flaws, but you do. Um, For example, did you know that Abraham tried to help God when it came to fulfilling this promise, uh, the the promise that God gave him that he was going to be um, a father of many nations? Um, you You want to know how he did it? I'm sure a lot of you know, but he made it. He decided it made good sense to sleep with his wife's maidservant so as to speed God's plan along because his wife could not bear him a child. Um, Genesis 16, 1 through 2 says, Now Sari, who is the same thing as Sarah, Abram's wife, same thing as Abraham, same person, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram agreed to what Sari said. Can you believe? I wonder if she would have told Abraham to do the laundry three times a day if he would have been so obedient. (laughs) I don't know. I seriously doubt it. However, when it came to sleeping with another woman, he's like, sure, no problem. Let me help God. I don't mind doing that at all. So we see that Abraham was a very obedient husband. But there is more. Did you know that Abraham lied about his wife uh, being his wife? And he actually said he was, she was his sister, not once, but twice, two times he lied. Uh, we can read about that, those incidents in Genesis 12 and 20. But in short, the reason why Abraham lied about Sarah um, being, not being his wife, he said that she was a sister, was because she was very beautiful. And um, in two different countries that they went to, he was afraid that the, the men of that country would kill him and just take Sarah to be his own. So he just said, well, she's my sister. That way, his life was in no threat. So basically, he prostituted her out so, um, to, save, to save himself. So I think it's safe to say that, that um, Abraham was a misfit. But you know what? God still used him. God still used him. Um, then we go to uh, Joshua. Um, I mean, sorry, Joseph. I think I've said Joshua like two times now, but we're talking about Joseph just to make it clear. How, how was he a misfit? Well, for starters, he was a shepherd boy, not very glamorous. He was also a tattletale. He loved to tell on his brothers. You see, he was his dad's favorite, and so he just liked to grind it in to his brothers, and he would tell about all of their bad deeds. Um, his brothers hated him so much that they sold him into slavery, And while he was in slavery, he was put into prison. Not exactly a life one hopes for, yet God still used him. Let's move on to Moses. He was a murderer. Did you know that? He murdered an Egyptian, and then he fled. He made all kinds of excuses to God about why he couldn't do what it was that God was asking him to do. He was slow in speech, he said. He... um, they wouldn't, the people wouldn't listen to him. He didn't have any power over the people. And when he finally did agree to do what it was that God asked him to do, he made a condition, a stipulation. He said, you have to send my brother with me to do all of the talking. He also had an anger issue. He got so frustrated with the Israelites one time that when God told him to speak to a rock so that water would come out of it, he, he hurried up the plan because he was so mad, and he just um, struck the rock with his staff. And that actually kept Moses from going into the promised land 
but God still used Moses, even though he was a misfit. Other misfits God used in the Bible include Isaac, who also prostituted out his wife, Jacob, who lied, deceived, and stole from his brother, Judah, who slept with a prostitute that ended up being his daughter-in-law, David, who committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband killed. All misfits that God used to further his kingdom. Sometimes we forget that those heroes of faith were actually real people with real flaws, and we hold them up to this status that we think we could never reach. But the truth is, they weren't perfect. They had character flaws just like we do, and they were misfits just like we are. There's a movie called Me, You, and Dupree. It's about a newly married couple who take, a, take um, the groom's best man into their home um, because he has recently lost his job and he, he has nowhere else to go. Um, he has been a misfit pretty much his whole life, his whole adult life. He doesn't, he doesn't have a job. He doesn't have any friends. And he doesn't fit in anywhere. So the clip that we're going to see is uh, the, wife, the bride is a school teacher. And her husband was supposed to speak at career day, but he couldn't for some reason. And so Dupree volunteered because there's a teacher at the school that he wants to impress. So that's where, that's where we start this clip. By the way, that is not an endorsement to watch that movie. <laughs> Just saying. We laugh at that clip because it's hilarious. Um, but I wonder if we also laugh because we feel a little bit of truth to it. Because we can kind of identify with Dupree's lostness. With his wandering around. Um, wondering what he's supposed to be doing with his life. Wondering um, what God has us here for, what our purpose in life is, where we're supposed to serve, um, who we're supposed to reach. We have all of these questions, and so we feel like misfits. We feel like we have to have our act together, maybe, before we can minister to someone else. That's not the case, because if we did, God would never use a single one of us, not me and not you. You see, my friends, God uses the outcast. He uses the misfits, the embarrassments, the failures, the adulterers, the murders, the prostitutes, the liars, the failures, the screw-ups. He uses all of us. He wants to use you, and he wants to use me, even though we fall into that list somewhere. So what Stephen was saying to his accusers was that God just desires obedience. He doesn't desire us to be good. He desires us to be obedient. He doesn't need us to have it all together. He doesn't need us to have every I dotted and every T crossed. And I don't know about you, the Bible describes Stephen as a spiritual giant. But on my best day, I don't feel like a spiritual giant, much less on my worst day. I want you to look at the screen at what pastor and author Bill Hybels says about the church. 
says, there is nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addiction, frees the oppressed, and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. Whatever the capacity for human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. Still, to this day, the potential of the local church is almost more than I can grasp. No other organization on earth is like the church. Nothing even comes close. You guys, you and I are the church. This building is just that. It is a building. It is a structure. God is only in this building because we're in this building. We don't come here to be in the presence of God, to tell you the truth, because the presence of God, if we're a believer, is already with us wherever we go. We come here to get fed and to worship corporately, but we don't come here to be in the presence of God. We don't need to be in this building for the presence of God. And God wants us to spread that love, that his spirit out to other people. He wants us to go out of these walls, and he wants us to comfort the brokenhearted. He wants us to encourage the downtrodden. He wants us to do all of those things that Bill Hybels talked about when he talked about the perfect church, when it's working right. God's been talking to me lately about um, what my influence is outside of this church. You see, I work at a church. Um, my kids go to a Christian school. Uh, my son goes to a Christian, my girls go to Christian school. My son goes to a Christian college. I go to a Christian college. My husband teaches at a Christian college. Um, I don't have much, I don't know hardly anybody that's not a Christian. And God has really been speaking to me about that even before we started um, this sermon series. And George and I were having a conversation yesterday. He was taking me to get a rent car because um, the boys and I are going to, Pastor Garen, Pastor Matt, and I are going to, um, I'm sorry, that's what I call them, and I forget that you guys don't know that, uh, are going to a um, conference this week in Oklahoma. Let's not tell anybody I said that. Hi, Garen. And... Um, so anyway, he was taking me to get a car, a rental car, so that we could do that. And, he, and he's going to be out of town when I get home. And he said, well, you know, the Enterprise people will drive you home. And I was like, oh, I am not doing that. I'll just call my brother. He'll come get me. That's awkward. I don't want to talk to those people. And he said, well, and he had no idea. We had not talked about what I was going to preach about. I don't even know if I knew what I was going to preach about yesterday <laughs> at noon. <laughs> no, I did. Um, but he said to me, well, it's a great time to witness to people. I've done it four or five times when they've brought me home. Man, talk about boom right between the eyes. You see, God wants us to spread his love when we go to Starbucks, 
when we go, when we're in line at the grocery store, when we go to a restaurant to the waiter or waitress, to the person on the plane that's sitting next to us, anywhere we are, that is what it's all about. That is church on the go. That is church without walls. God isn't dwelling here. He's dwelling with us wherever we go. And we just have to be open to that. We just have to have our hearts open, and we have to be looking for those opportunities. And I know some of you are sitting there thinking, I can't do that. It's not my nature. I'm not outgoing. I don't know what to say. But, God, but guys, God has left this building. That's what Stephen's telling us. He's not here. And he will help you. The same spirit that helped Stephen be bold and have power will help you. That wasn't Stephen doing that. That was the Holy Spirit. And if you're a believer, you have that same spirit. You know what? It's not as hard as you might think either. You just have to be obedient. We're going to go to prayer. Fastest sermon ever. Hallelujah. I know y'all are happy. You're going to want me to preach every week um, if they're this short. Um, But we're going to go to prayer. And guys, I don't know what's on your mind today. It doesn't have to be. Um, it doesn't have to be about the sermon. I wasn't going to do an altar call today. Um, I was just going to pray for us, but I've, I feel like that the Lord is leading me to do that. And so, whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, if you need prayer, come down. Come down and just take a step of faith and pray to God. Give Him your burdens. Give Him your worries. Give Him your cares. Come down and praise him for the good things that are going on in your life. Come down and pray with somebody else that is praying. You know what God says about his church? That it's to be called a house of prayer. It's not a house of worship. He doesn't call it that. He doesn't call us to come here and just sing. We're to be about prayer because you know what? Prayer transforms. And so I invite you to come. Can we sing a, a verse of something, anything, while people can have a chance to come down? There is a stirring in this holy place. Guys, there don't be shy. If you, if you are sensing the Spirit nudging, place. do not harden your hearts. Come on down. Your Nobody's... Spirit looking at you nobody's thinking a thing about it just come on down there is a stirring in this holy place there is a fire starting in our souls there is a fire starting in our souls reviving this longing you're calling us home there is a fire starting in our souls god we thank you for your presence in this place We thank you that you use misfits like me, like us. 
We thank you that we don't have to have it all together, that we don't even know, we have to know what it looks like to have it all together for you to use us. God, you want to use our mess to reach somebody else in their mess. That's what it's all about. And God, that is so hard for us to to comprehend because it's our nature to think, well, I'm, I'm not good enough to help anybody else because I'm a failure. I'm a screw up. But God, you say in your word, and I believe with my whole heart that your word is true, that if we have confessed you with our mouth and we believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, that we have your Holy Spirit. And that means that we have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Lord, help us to, to let that permeate who we are. Help us to, when we go to the grocery store, when we go to Starbucks, when we're on an airplane, when we're, we're being driven home in a rental car, whatever the case may be, Lord, in our everyday, ordinary lives is where you're gonna work. You're not, sometimes you do set up miraculous situations and, and, and we get to speak into a stranger's life, but more often than not, God, it's just our everyday circumstances that you work through. So God, I ask you to use me, Lord. I pray, God, that you would show me people that need your love. I, I wanna get outside my, my Christian circle. I love my Christian brothers and sisters and, and, and all of my Christian friends, but I want to make a difference outside of this place, God. And I pray that would be all of our heart's desire because we are not going to function right as a church. We are not going to be all of those things, Bill Hybels says, about a church unless we're unified, unless we're going out and we're trying to make a difference for you. And God, the, the, the good news is we don't even really have to try. We just have to be obedient. We don't have to know what to say. We don't even have to pick the people. If we're just open and obedient, you do all the work. You even give us the words to say. So God, I pray that you would help us not to be fearful. That you would help us not to not want to look like an idiot to someone. Who cares, God? I mean, when it comes right down to it, what is the worst thing that's going to happen? People might reject us, but you know what? You were rejected one million times. Amen. Lord, don't let, it, don't let that stop us. We want to be your church, your people. We want to reach others for you. And God, I pray for those people here that are hurting. Lord, I know that there has been four deaths of fathers in the past three weeks in this church. God, would you please comfort and hold tightly to those families, God. Would you give them the next minute of peace and then the next 10 minutes and then the next 20 minutes and then the next hour until they can stand up even, Lord. God, I pray for those in here that are sick. God, I, I thank you for your miraculous healing powers. I thank you that Josh Vandevoort is out of the hospital and at church today after having surgery and he was supposed to be there in a few days and God, you just said, nope, I'm just gonna get him better so he can get to church with his friends. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you for all the miracles we, we hear about. And I know we've already thank you for Kathy's cancer and, and John's cancer healing and Chet's cancer healing, but God, we thank you again. And those aren't just stories. Those are real. And so God, we ask for all of those in here that need healing, that you would just touch down and just heal them, Lord. 
God, there's people in here that are heartbroken over life circumstances. Some they put themselves in, some just happened because we live in a, in a sinful world. But God, they need you. We need you. And I ask that you would go before them, Lord. There are people here that are looking for their, um, their for jobs and for, for provision for their family. God, I pray that you would provide that. There are people that are here that are uncertain about the future of their marriages. God, would you just be right smack dab in the center of our marriages? Would you help us to get it through our heads that you are the head of the marriage? Help us to submit to one another. Help us to submit to you because if we're submitted to you, then we're automatically going to submit to one another. Would you bring healing to our marriages? God, I'm sure in a church this size, there are people within the church walls that are at odds with each other or have different opinions about the way things are done or the way things should be done. God, have your way in us. Have your way in us. Take our opinions out of the way. Help us, help me to let you work. I am not the end all be all. My opinion is not either. My opinion is nothing. God, take this church and move it from this building into the world and do with it what you will. We give it to you. We love you, Jesus. In your holy, mighty, powerful, awesome, wonderful name we pray. Amen.